0: Football is about the Jimmys
1: and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Oh, New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker yeah. Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays.
0: Here's where it all starts, right here. Let's play! Gee, money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here?
1: This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi.
0: The 2022 NFL Draft is in the books, and the Indianapolis Colts came home with eight players as the foundation of their rookie class, and we're here today to break it all down, talk some X's and O's on Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, but the man you came for is Mr. Venturi, former Colts and NFL coach and Colts radio analyst. RV, what's going on, my man? Have you managed to uh, emerge from the film room after a long draft weekend?
1: Well, I really have, and a matter of fact, because I like a lot of these kids so much i I actually keep going back and watching them a little bit <laughs> and uh you know the the funny thing is i is I have no buyer's remorse i you know you know particularly that first three guys i I just think that you know I just liked them so much going in, and uh you know if you couple that with the three big acquisitions that we had in the off season. I mean we've come a long way partner from that January 6th where we were lower than all get out and uh you know I think we've had a terrific off season um you know I think we've really positioned ourselves to really contend um I personally and I think you know that you know me probably as well as anybody today um and I I don't know that I've ever <clears throat> I've ever walked out of a draft Um, You know, particularly that second night, I don't know that I've ever walked out of there with a more exciting feeling, a a feeling that we were fulfilled, that we really did hit it and Mm -hmm. knock it. And uh, I I honestly believe that. I mean, I I just felt so good about that because, you know, and not because I felt that way. I knew that the club felt that way. You know, is all three guys that we got on that second round, all three of them, to me, in my grading system, uh, Matt, were all potential 42 picks, much less when we got them. Um, The fact that Chris moved down uh, was scary to me but he has informed me since that he was positive that Pierce would be there at 53, which I wasn't, but, you know, it it worked out. And then, you know, what he was able to tack on was the third need because I would have picked him despite the need at left tackle, wide receiver, and tight end, which I felt were our our needs. I felt wide receiver was one. So, you know, I would have, if, if it was 42 and we had three in a row there, I would have gone Pierce, woods and i would have gone raymond so i mean in the end we end up with the third guy who i didn't and and i was worried there because the, raymond was the only guy on the on that second day he was the only non-number one that has the skill set to be a long-term left tackle it might take him a little while to get going he's still raw mm-hmm. but he was the only there was only six of them there were six tackles that I had rated. I had him right with Smith. I could have gone either way. I thought he was more athletic. Smith was bigger. But they were my five and six, however you want to rate them. Smith ended up going on the first round. But to me, then after six, then everybody else is just a prospect. And so, you know, that move down got us that third pick. And, uh, you know, that's really important. I mean, very seldom, honestly, you know, we talk about this all the time. You always talk about best player on the board versus need, you know, very seldom ever, and particularly without a one, do you ever have a confluence where the the, the best player on the board that you wanted and the need meshed. Right, exactly. I mean, they meshed perfectly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's why I walked out of there so well. I said, not only did we get three, in my opinion, they're free, all three guys are freak athletes. As a matter of fact, the entire draft pick, I mean, we won we won the combine olympics there's there's nobody we got we got all the medals we got eight medals there's <laughs> nobody close to us and I like that because i'm you know I'm not the old war horse coach I mean I'm a metric guy since nineteen eighty two I believe that you have to have a certain amount of skills, your tape has to be good, but you have to have the skill level as well, and that is speed and explosiveness, and that was obviously a demand so Again, I I was so happy coming out of there because, again, the confluence of the players I liked the best at the positions we needed the most, that's that's a haul there. Yeah,
0: it definitely was a fun weekend for us on radio doing those draft updates, especially on Friday night when the Colts came home with those four impactful players on day two. So let's start making sense of it all. We're not going to go through these guys individually for time's sake, but we do want to start at the top because the Colts drafted Alec Pierce uh with their first pick of the draft, number fifty three overall in the second round. For you, Rick, let's start there. Just how surprised were you that Pierce was still on the board? He wasn't as coveted by other teams as he was certainly for the Colts.
1: Well, you know, it it didn't surprise me totally. Now Pierce for me was number four. Uh he would have been five and Williams would have been ahead of him, but Williams had the ACL. So I, I can say honestly that in my rankings I had Pierce Fourth or fifth, and and the and it would have been fourth as far as health right now. Now again, I said after the first three guys, healthy guys, Olave, uh, Wilson, uh, and um, the kid from Penn State, Dotson. Mm-hmm. After those three guys, then it was a question of what color four do you like best? I mean, the receivers to me equaled out. And then it was a question of what is your need? What do you like best? Well, to me, what I like best was a game-breaking, deep threat that is a terrific athlete that can win outside the numbers, both with speed and with physicality. And so in my book, he was ahead of London. I had him ahead of Burks. um, You know, I mean, and, and only ahead of Wilson. He wouldn't have been ahead of Williams, I'll say that. But Williams with the ACL, I would be nervous about that. So he was very high on my list and even when he compared with the top 3. Now, he wasn't as good with ball in hand as a Dotson for instance. You know Dotson can Dotson and Wilson can take it you know and and, and make people miss and all that. They're exciting. But you know what? Not one of those th- all 3 of those guys are like 5'11. They're small. And they don't really have any better speed than uh, than Alec does. Alec has top end speed. You know, I've heard the comparison: Jordy Nelson, uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, just for the record, I mean, just for the record, Jordy Nelson was a four five one and still had a great career, mm-hmm. and Cooper Cup was a four six one. Now Cooper had some outstanding, you know, kind of underneath numbers like short shuttles and stuff, but he compares he compares with the exception of the height he compares closer to a guy like Chris Collingsworth, to be honest with you, who had the great speed out of Florida. And, you know, you can't teach speed. And this kid shows it on the field. This is not just track speed. He can run by people. He's physical on the press. And I think he'll get nothing but better, but he can beat the press. And then what he's so good at, he's so competitive, and he has such great body control on the deep ball. I mean, you can throw him open. And that's the kind of guy Matt Ryan is. Matt Ryan needs guys that if they can get a step, he could throw it in that area and throw him open. And when you look at Pierce over and over and over, he can make the very difficult catch. He's also innately tough. You know, he played linebacker a little bit early in his career at mm-hmm. Cincinnati. He played special teams. He's tough. He will catch the ball in contact. I mean, he doesn't He doesn't shy away from contact at all. Now, I think what the Colts did, because I know they came back, and I know they were really excited about Pierce. Everybody talked about Ritter, but they were really down deep excited about Pierce because what they were able to do when they went to Cincinnati was go over there and work him out on all the intermediate routes because obviously at Cincy he was used as a deep guy most of the time. Most of the time it was vertical. Mm -hmm. But when they came back from Cincy, they were convinced and I'm convinced that he can run the digs and the outs and all that stuff and run them with power and quickness. And so, to me, what we've now got for the first time, because I, I like Pittman, but I, I still think Pittman is not a creator. He's a four-five-two. You never see him really win on the outside. Now, he, he's scheme-dependent, and he catches a lot of balls, and he has physicality, and I always liked him as a 2. But I think Pierce is potentially a one because he can get over the defense. You if you miss a step on Pierce at that 4-4-1, he is gone. I mean the difference in his four, 4-4-1 and 4-5-2 is large when you when you compare even him and Pittman. Now again, he, Pittman's already established, but this kid can run the deep ball, he can run the deep outside of the field. So immediately what you get is you get a kid that can score touchdowns a kid that can stretch the field and all of a sudden people have to worry about it. I think he is somewhat now that their body types is totally different, but he kind of brings what Hilton brought in his prime. He brings that guy that breaks the defense up on top, but can run the outs. If you're playing way off him. he definitely can command the outside of the field, which we have lacked so much. We lacked it totally last year. So number one, that's what you're getting. You know, is he great after the catch? I don't know. I don't. You just don't see enough of it. Mm-hmm. But I just uh, everything else about him—the competitive nature, smart guy, like all the rest of this group. But I mean, the big thing is that speed, explosiveness. You're talking four-four-one, forty and a half vertical you're talking about a 428 short shuttle these are great numbers these are very superior numbers so i like i said he was uh he was my guy in number two, and I was just scared to death we were going to miss him by moving back. So what does, what does the
0: offense look like now? You, you kind of hinted on it a little bit, but to go more in depth, the top two receivers now for the Colts being 6'4 and 6'3 yeah. respectively with Pearson and Michael Pittman Jr., how does that change the dynamic of, of how defenses and opponents attack the Colts on offense?
1: Well, here's what I think. Okay. I and, and I think and we'll get into him, but I think you have to add Jelani Woods in there too. And it's the reason I was so excited. I thought he was by far the best tight end prospect. I like McBride out of Colorado State, but he was a safe Jack Doyle type prospect. And that's there's good there's good stuff there. But when you put Jelani Woods into the action now, Now you have a guy that can stretch the outside of the field. That is Pierce. I mean, he can get behind you outside the numbers. Now in Woods, you have a guy who can stretch the seam, and he's another terrific body control guy. You know, and what you get nowadays on seam routes, when you're running down the seam, you know, at one time the fades and the back fades only happened outside. But Drew Brees changed all that, and guys like Ryan and guys like Brady – they have that accuracy that they can throw a seam open. So if Jelani gets a step to the outside, that ball will come over the outside. And so you got you got stretching of the field deep down the middle and to the outside. Now that makes Pittman much, much better because now Pittman, for the most part, on that weak side is going to get one-on-one coverage where he can use his muscle you know, and his big frame, and then he has pretty good catch-and-run stuff. And then if you add the third element, which we talked about in our last podcast, I think you're going to see more of fast regular with Hines now in the game with uh, Taylor. You know, Taylor, obviously, he's the best running back in the league. He's arguably the best player in the league, to be honest with you. It's always going to be a quarterback. So, you know, the running game and, and Taylor is still the center part of your offense. But now you, you get Hines in there with him more. You can flank Hines. You can use him as a wild card, as a joker, moving him back around. He can jump in and play wildcat. You know, you can, you can force them. Do they go nickel? Do they go base against that? If they go base then Hines has a lot of those – everybody's one-on-one all over. Yeah, with a linebacker, they, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody's got an odd, ideal matchup. If they go nickel, then you, then you just take Taylor and rip them. That's I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that's oversimplifying it to a degree. But when you ask me how that offense could evolve, I mean, that is that's a totally different look than we played a year ago. A year ago what happened to us – because they really they really weren't confident in throwing the ball to Pittman outside. Everything Pittman did was back inside, rub routes. Everything was schemed for him to get him the ball. He had high-volume catches. I don't think they necessarily trusted Wentz either on that. So, basically, our pass offense was numbers to numbers, and your running game is basically numbers to numbers. So, right. yep. as the season went on, as good as we were running it, Eventually, people pack eight, pack nine, and that—that's a little bit of an oversimplification. But they do; they—they they come down and they squeeze you because you're not using the whole field. And then what that does is the domino the other way. All of a sudden, Jonathan's got no place to go. There's too many men up there. Right. You know, just Num-
0: numbers beat many. the running game, right?
1: Yeah, it affects everything. You can't if you never. I mean, I don't know how many times you and I have done games, and I'll turn to you and say, Matt, they're giving us outside the numbers, and we can't take it. You know. And so I think all those things, all those pieces are so important to your improvement. And, of course, they start with a quarterback. We've got a quarterback who we know is going to be accurate and is going to go to the right guy. You know, Is he the best quarterback in the league? I'm not saying that, but I'm going to say that he's accurate, he can throw guys open, and he's going to be throwing to the right guy.
0: All right, so with their second pick of the draft, the Colts pick up Jelani Woods out of Virginia. He started his career as a quarterback at Oklahoma State, and the story goes there. You know, they're getting ready for a big game against Oklahoma, that rivalry game. Uh, They needed somebody to simulate Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens, who was at Oklahoma at the time. So they go to Woods. He steps in into that role and shredded the Oklahoma State defense in practice. Uh, and re- Again, this is a quarterback at the time, so the coaching staff, they love it. They move him to tight end. The rest is history. Uh, he transfers to Virginia his final season, led the ACC with eight touchdowns as a versatile tight end. He's athletic as all get out, four, six, 40, 27 and a half vertical jump, 10.9", broad jump. He's huge, Rick. He's 6'7", 253, and he can move the way he does. I mean, this is a massive target for Matt Ryan at quarterback.
1: Yeah, this is freak, too. I mean, this guy, I looked at all the tight ends, and I kept watching this guy, and I'm going like, you know, this is an unbelievable. Matter of fact, with him and Ogletree and Allie Cox, our, our tight end room is going to look like an NBA power forward league, to be honest with you. I mean, it's six foot seven. you know, he was at like mid-250s, uh, for the combine he got down he can, he played I think at two seventy five. He's worked a tackle guard, like you said, quarterback and he, so he's really still raw. But le- listen, these numbers that Jelani Woods have, you know, thirty seven and a half vertical. The four six one, that is really fast for that big guy. And he gonna he's gonna be quicker. He still is young and still lumbers a little bit. They'll get that but four three three short shuttle and then a, a six nine five three that is ridiculous. I mean that to be under seven at six foot seven like that is ridiculous. So you've got a guy now who can play on the edge. You know, coming in he will he'll have to improve his lower body strength. Has to get better on the pure edge, but he has the potential to be a big time edge blocker. But where he really is a threat is down the seam. Down the middle, to the corner, because that four six one speed he builds it as he goes, he's running, and all of a sudden you see him run away from people, and then he's got that huge radius, he's got thirty four inch and a half inch arms, so his wingspan you know covers the complex. So again, <clears throat> you just have to get it in the vicinity. The other thing I liked about him and Pierce is after he catches the ball. He runs through safeties. There's a lot of those touchdowns that he makes that he actually just runs through a safety blocker. Um, And Pierce kind of the same way. Pierce will lower his shoulder on a guy, you know, sometimes rather than trying to beat him. And so, again, you pick up this speed and this range. And in both guys, you know, starting with Jelani, Jelani has eight touchdowns, and most of them are red zone. So what you do in those first two guys – is you pick up big body control guys that can go get the ball in the red zone. And, of course, that's where the game is won and lost. And it's won and lost in there with people because the windows are so tight. So when you get big body people, you just open the window a little bit more. It's more about girth than it is space. But uh, I I fell in love with them uh, right off the bat. Again, there were were safer picks, guys, that maybe were a little refined. But this guy's ceiling – is really to the roof, and this is a little antidote that I think I told you at the, at the complex the other day. The day before draft, I get from Chris Ballard, I get a one-play highlight. I just and he doesn't say who it is, what it is, but I had already seen it, so I already knew it, it was Jelani Woods. So I think, nice. <laughs> okay, I said there's no doubt that that guy is on our radar, and I was thinking, right. you know, he might be 42. I mean, like I said, all. All three of those, uh, all three of those two top three guys, I thought could have potentially been forty-two. So uh, I can't. I'm I'm really excited about that. I I just think that again, what you're what you've gotten on the first two freaks that we're talking about is we've got speed, explosiveness, and potential big play guys. And if we've lacked anything, Matt, yeah, that's it's big play. It's that's big what the entire off season's been
0: again. about, right? I mean, just our, our
1: big. Right. Our big play guys have come from Taylor and Hines, really. Yeah. I mean, they've come out of the running back, it, and we, we've we lacked the ability to get the big plays. Yeah. You know, and as Hilton has diminished over the years, he was kind of the last of that crew that was a really downfield guy. So, yeah, this is really exciting. Again, you're you're getting a guy to me with a really, really high ceiling.
0: All right, elsewhere on on day three, round three, the Colts pick up Bernard Ryman, a Central Michigan guy, has a great story, grew up in Austria, uh, picked up American football at the age of 14, then comes over to the United States as a foreign exchange student in Michigan, lands at Central Michigan, uh, started his career at tight end, uh, then because of the pandemic uh, moves uh, positionally, puts on weight, becomes a tackle Rick, what did you see on tape from him as a tackle in college, and how does he translate to the NFL with the Colts? A lot of people are making a big deal out of those short arms. You don't have as much of an issue with that as other people do.
1: Well, here's the deal. You know, I had him, as I said, I had basically graded six uh, six guys that had the skill sets to play left tackle, and I'm hard on that. I mean, I'm not – I don't give you the benefit there. If you don't have the skill set – in the metrics, I'm not going to trust you at left tackles. To be honest with you, so I had him pretty much at five. Um, I could have gone with Smith ahead of him because Smith was like three twenty four, four, and that type of thing. But what I liked about Raymond is, first of all, he he still does have a pretty good span because he's six six. Now he's a little light at this point at three oh three oh three, and I'm going to make a lot of compar- comparisons here with Raymond to Costanzo, because there's a lot of similarities on him coming out and Anthony coming out of Boston College. Um, Anthony came out at three eleven six seven. Anthony was a little bit longer. You talk about the arms. I think Anthony's 34 and a half. You know, uh, Bernard is right there at 33. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, you know, the, the things that he's coming out with and didn't have that Anthony brought in initially – is he's he's he does not have quite the length and he doesn't have obviously the playing background because of the history you've already talked about but now listen to this: he runs a five flat forty and he runs a he runs a four four nine short shuttle now that is ridiculous for a three hundred pound guy that means you can move in the short area really really quick, and you see that on film. what he has that you can't coach he has that ability to set to get into space and to move with speed to move with the fast guys you got what i'm saying he has that ability he has the metrics he has that ability now he is raw as all get out so he may need a little grooming time just to get better at technique i'd like to see him you know get up to about 3 you know 312 315 which i don't think is going to be any problem but he has that kind of movement he is very much like Anthony. Anthony was the same kind of guy. Anthony was a really good athlete. But if you look at Anthony, Anthony ran a 5-2. He wasn't even close to this guy in his short shuttle. So, I mean, in in a sense, he's not as long as Anthony, but he's a better athlete. Now they have same pluses and same minuses. He has He has that ability to move in space, to get out and get with a fast guy what he has to really learn how to do and Anthony had trouble periodically in his career he's got to learn how to anchor up when a guy gives him speed to power and then comes right down the nose that's where he's got to learn how to anchor up and they'll you know they'll do that right away but this kid has the skill set to be your long-term left tackle mm-hmm. um and so he'll be in a battle right off the bat with Pryor you know Pryor will have the experience and frankly um, I think because of the rawness of Raymond, he probably is going to take a little while, but in the end, he will pass Pryor because of athleticism.
0: And you think that might be later this year, or perhaps next off season? Like, how do you how do you see that oh, progression no, it'll going be this
1: year? I think all three of those guys. I think all three of those guys affect us in 22. Gotcha. Because I just I, and I don't get me wrong. I like Pryor. Uh, if you were telling me that he was going to be our right tackle or you were telling me that he was going to be our right guard, Matt, I would say fine, mm-hmm. no problem, replace him next year. But at left tackle, I just, I'm just i not quite as high as the Colts staff is. That doesn't make me right, but I don't think that he has the, the twitch and the quickness to hang in there at left tackle against the guys he's going to see week after week, and I think he'll get exposed quickly, um, and uh, I hope I hope I'm wrong totally. Now don't get me wrong. I, I in no way do I want to condemn it or anything else. But I think you're going to need Raymond to come quicker than you'd like.
0: All right. The last pick Friday. Uh, the Colts trade up. They grab Nick Cross, safety out of Maryland. Uh, the Colts traded a fourth-round pick and next year's third-round pick to get him in. A very physical player, another athletic phenom. That's been, you know, the uh, common denominators here. We've talked about that. Four, three, 40, the fastest 40 among safeties at the combine. 37-inch vertical, 130-inch broad jump. Let's start here. How surprised were you that the Colts traded up? and gave up a, a pick next year for him. And the other reason you bring that up is, again, quarterback continues to be the biggest long-term need for the Colts. And if they fall in love with a guy next offseason, that would have been ammunition for the Colts to trade up and, and package something in order to get a quarterback. Now, I know they can make that up in other ways, get another pick in here between now and next offseason. I totally understand that. But just the, the bold move to trade up for a guy like Nick Cross, um, how surprised were you in that regard for the Colts?
1: No, I, I really was surprised. And, you know, I felt like that once uh, once Ritter was gone, uh, that to me there was no more intriguing quarterbacks. There was no sense to me for any investment mm-hmm. on, on in, in that respect. That's just me, but I just didn't have anybody else great. I'm not even that big on Willis, uh, but uh, I knew Pickett would go uh, in the first round. I thought Willis might, but it was more hype than anything. I thought Ritter was the most... I think Atlanta had a, has a real good selection there because I think he can play behind Mariota for a little bit, but I think he has really long-term ability. So once he was gone there, I was a little surprised. Um, Cross is a very interesting guy. I, now, and I don't mean this as criticism because I really like Cross and he will have an impact. I would have probably taken Shakir, the receiver out of Boise here, uh, who Buffalo ended up. Taking in the fourth round, and they packaged up to get him. They gave, they gave up draft picks to move up to get him. But that was just my own preference. I had him rated a little bit higher than other people. But when they when they got Cross, what they've done with Cross now and McLeod in the off season is they've ensured really the safety position. You know, both in depth or if they have to play. Um, you know, as good as Blackman is, and I think he's got stardom written all over him, if he's a little bit in and out early or not quite ready, you've got a guy like McLeod who, um, has played 10 years in this league at free safety, who is a legitimate NFL safety. You know, I can, com- you know, uh, you know, I talked to a-, a little bit about that last week, um, And then, you know, Willis has kind of been banged up a little bit, and Willis is more that strong safety thumper, cover the tight end guys. And so what you did, you went out and got Nick Cross, okay, who's that same kind of guy. So, you know, you have now depth and you have competition. Now, what I always thought, I always wanted my fourth pick, whether it was a late third or a fourth round guy. I always wanted that guy – I wanted the first three guys to be able to impact us in 2022, Uh, you know, not necessarily at the same levels, but I always felt like your first three draft picks should be on the field to some degree and making some impact. You know, maybe not always starting, but an impact. Then I always – on my fourth pick, I always wanted a guy who I considered a specialized starter. You know, somebody that was at a little bit different, devalued position, like a fullback – maybe a tight end, uh, maybe a slot, uh, maybe just a great special teams guy. Mm -hmm. And so I think Cross, again, he is the freak of freaks at 4-3-4. It's unbelievable, the Olympics that we win here. And he is a thumper. So he brings two things to the party, okay, at safety. He brings vertical speed. He's very a linear athlete. He's not a great change of direction guy but he can flat fly and he's purposeful and he will take your head off. He is really a thumper. So I think what you got there early is you got a guy that can play strong safety, can battle for that position, but also can fill in like at a dime linebacker, Matt, um, you know, certainly special teams uh with that kind of speed and thump, um, you know, just gets better and better. So I, I think you, you have a very specialized guy there uh, who, you know, will provide us instant depth. And there's something interesting there I'd like to say to the fans is that this was a, a unique year. I mentioned it to you in passing in our eight hours of coverage is this was the sneaky position in this draft uh, was safety uh, and One of the things that you're seeing, we always talk about evolution at receiver and quarterback and all that. I'll tell you what you're seeing. You're seeing the evolution of a much better athlete, much better, much faster guy now in college at safety. You know, in the old days, safeties were guys that you either had a big, strong safety on the in the box, and then you had a kind of a, a ball hawking free safety, not necessarily a great athlete, but a ball hawk guy. Well, now because of the spread and the zone reads and the quarterbacks that run the option and all that stuff, your safeties now have to be much, much better athletes coming out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cross, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you can check me on this, but I think of the, like the top seven safeties, I think four of them ran faster than 4-4. And only one of them ran over four or five. Now that is amazing. You know, I mean, we we were normally talking about four six five guys here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think that position in general is changing. And of course, like I said, Cross brings linear speed and thump.
0: Yeah, he is a very physical player, guy with a lot of upside. So that was day two of the draft. Uh, four players drafted on Friday. Let's move to Saturday and, and talk about day three and kind of go rapid fire here. We got in the fifth mm-hmm. round at 159, the Colts picked up Missouri State defensive tackle Eric Johnson And round six, 192. It's Youngstown State tight end Andrew Ogletree, who's also a former wide receiver. Also in the sixth round, Cincinnati defensive tackle Curtis Brooks. And then in the seventh round, 239 overall, uh, Yale cornerback Rodney Thomas, who also played linebacker in safety at college. There in the Ivy League, Rick. Which of those players intrigues you the most? Which of those guys has the highest ceiling for you?
1: Well, you know the two tackles are very, very interesting, and they will come in and provide us with depth. You know, losing a Stallworth, a Woods, all those guys that were, you know, really just place mats for us um, in that sense. I mean, uh, you know, you had you had Grover and 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 Buckner, and then you would you know throw in Lewis or or, or Dengbo, really on third down, so you know, you were, those guys were depth guys, and they were gone, and this is what I talk about, replaceable parts, and, you know, nobody does a better job of that than Chris that second and third day. Johnson was a Morse Reservoir all-star for me. He was a kid I really like. I think he has a big upside now. Johnson at 6'5", 300, runs a four eight seven. so, I mean, he's a, he's another freak, I mean, in that sense, you know, and basically the other thing, and this is very obvious in the draft, not only... Does Chris demand, you know, metrics at every position? He also really he really likes players that go to bowl games and play well and practice well in the bowl games. The mm-hmm. Colts do a really good job. You're on talking that. Now, about they, those those All Star games, right? the, the Senior games. Bowl,
0: the NFLPA Bowl, right? He,
1: you know, uh, Larry did a really great job on, with the Woods interview, mm-hmm. and it really came out. It, it 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 had escaped me. I hadn't thought about it, but the Colts had two coaches in that East West Shrine game right, right. and they had him in there for a whole week. And I know I've coached the senior bowl three times. There is nothing, Matt, like being in the room with the guy for a week. I mean it's just that's that's better than a workout. That's better than anything. And they loved him. I mean and he and, 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 and he he liked them. I mean it was it was really amazing. So I think that week was big. Johnson played in the um NFL PA game he he played so well that he got the invite to the Senior Bowl, and he went down there and really held his own um, with all the top guys. Uh, you, you have to bring some of the practice tape out there. He has twitch. Uh, he's a guy that's played a five technique, a three technique. Uh, he can move. I would say right now he's a little bit better run defender than pass defender, but he has twitch. Um, I think he is a lot very much um, – uh, like Stewart uh, coming out, uh, you know they came out of small schools. Uh, Stewart has emerged, you know, as a top tier nose tackle. I think you you're looking maybe for the same thing in Johnson. I see a lot of the same qualities. And then Brooks was kind of a sleeper for me. I you know I didn't I hadn't really done a lot of work on Brooks, and you know he's a, he's a guy that you know he's not very big. I mean that's that's if, if he has an issue you know it's he's 285 at 62 you know which is which is the size Grady Jarrett is who just got 55 million dollar extension at Atlanta but he is a freak of freaks i mean he runs a 49 35 and a half vertical 33 bench presses 444 four, four in the short shuttle that is phenomenal and basically um uh Luke Fickle said has gone on record as saying that Brooks was the best player on that defense, and they got half their team drafted. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Cincinnati, nine guys drafted. You know, Georgia, to have 15 and set a new record is one thing. Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, you got to take your hat off of them. Now, nine kids drafted in in this, and two of them to us. But when I went back and looked at him, because I had not looked at him a lot, this is a guy now that is really active. He's a little bit opposite Johnson. If Johnson is maybe a better run player – this kid can get to the passer. And so he might have that specialized spot interior-wise with Buckner or Spelling. He has seven-and-a-half sacks, and they're all interior sacks. That's a big deal. You know, I think sometimes I don't think that we we really give sack numbers and totals enough credit at the college level because most guys like the Freenies and the Mathis, if you go back to their career, they were 20 sack guys as seniors. Yeah. They had like 20 sacks. <laughs> This kid has seven and a half sacks. I mean, he is nifty. I'm not, I'm not going to put him in Grady Jarrett's category, but he reminds me of him. Now, if you go to Ogletree, Ogletree is really just he. He really is uh, Jelani Woods, just one step, one step be, behind him. That's it. He's a instead of four six one, he's a uh, four five one, or um, I'm sorry, he's a four seven one. Right? You know, he's he's six five. But he's another guy that looks like an NBA power forward, you know, small school kid started somewhere and ended up at Youngstown State. But he had he was the MVP of the Hula Bowl, and if you go back and you watch that performance, he's another guy that can get down the seam with all that range. He's he can block the edge. Uh, he makes a couple great adjustment catches in that Senior Bowl to win the MVP. So, you know, all of a sudden, like I said, our tight end our tight end room looks like an you know, a, you know, a G League or an NBA <laughs> right. power forward league. I mean, yeah, they're God. in
0: the they're in the Big Ten. They're playing Wisconsin on Saturday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable. And they're and they're, you know, they're and they're they're talented. I mean, I you know, I think Ogletree is talented. I think he was a really right. good get. You know, you know, again, thirty-five vertical jumps. You're you're talking four five, two short of shuttles. He's just a hair a hair behind, um, he's just a hair behind Woods in everything, but he's still top drawer numbers-wise. So, again, and I think the bowl game had a lot to do with that, again, because, you see, what you want to see is those smaller school kids, when they go to the bowl game, how do they respond playing next to all those guys from the Southeast Conference and yeah. the Big Ten? We always had a rule. I always had a rule in my own head is never downgrade a kid in a bowl game but always have the ability to upgrade him if he shows you something. And then the kid from Yale, here's what I'm hoping, okay? This, this was shocking to me. I hadn't watched him, to be honest with you. So I go back and watch him, and all of a sudden I'm looking at a guy that's 451 on our team, on this team, 451 is like slow, okay? <laughs> this guy's 6'1, 186, but 41 inch vertical, which means he's explosive. Yep. Now this is mind boggling. 4.02 short shuttle. Now, that's that's close to a world's record. I think I've only known two guys that have ever been under three. So this guy is a quick cat now, and he's got some production. You know, he's played linebacker. He's played corner. He's played safety. I like that. I like those numbers. You know me at four five one, I like it as safety depth, but I think he's a guy that can play nickel um i think he can find certainly special team's role and you know whoever's doing our northeast scouting i mean i'm saying to myself you know a year ago on that on that last round all of a sudden we come up with a kid like isaiah, isaiah rogers, rogers mm-hmm. you know who is uh, you know who's definitely a starter in the nfl and who had great speed i mean you know he i always thought i've always said this and chris i don't know if he'll get mad at me or not i always say the best corner that he's ever drafted is rogers and the reason for it his Rodgers was 4'3'6. So he never, you know, he's fast. He can outrun his mistakes. And he never panics. That's why he doesn't get penalties. He does never panic. Yep. Well, all of a sudden, we got a kid up in jail. We got him in the same area that's running a 402 short shuttle. So, you know, and you know he's smart enough, for God's sakes, I hope. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so, I mean, again, you got to, you know, I look at it, and there's really nobody I don't like, you know, and it, like I said, those two tackles our depth guys, but they're very, very athletic. I mean, you know, they run they run below five flat. When you get linemen that are at five flat or below, you know, which every one of our guys is, I mean, that's pretty special. You know, and then our skill guys, my God, you know, for their position. Right. Like I said, I, I guess we've ranked number one. You had that interesting stat on um, – uh Jelani during the uh, yeah. during the draft the he relative athletic score yeah on that ras rating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now I saw the final ras rating and we're head and shoulders our 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 eight selections are head and shoulders better than anybody else and so you know when you add a, a very vibrant draft ca- class like this I think with the top 3 guys who I think can be starters in during the 222 season uh and you add 3 uh, game-changing free agents, uh, you got to feel really good about this team. I mean, I I think, you know, and it starts with the quarterback, but the areas that we had to fix, we had to get better at passing the football, which means quarterback, receivers, protection, uh, all those things, and we had to get better at stopping the pass, which is scheme with a defensive staff, which is, you know, a, a, a cornerback that's better, a rusher who has 55 sacks. And so, you know, by addressing all that, and then with this influx of young talent, I mean, you got to feel like you're really positioned to go, you know, I pick up the paper today and I see the Tennessee quarterback is, you know, he's, he's, he's now in recovery with a psychiatrist, uh, and he won't help Willis. Did you see that? I did. That, that, I did see. I that. mean, and so
0: not not I his mean, job to be the mentor.
1: Yeah, and you know, and losing AJ Brown, regardless of Burks. I mean, if nothing else, it's a one for one swap. But Burks hasn't proven anything in right. the NFL, mm-hmm. and AJ Brown was a cold killer. So you got you lost AJ Brown. You know, you you got you got a quarterback in psychiatric care and who won't help the rookies. So, you know, I don't think Tennessee's necessarily helped themselves too much. And the other teams have helped themselves, and I think particularly Jacksonville has, but they but they both have a long way to go.
0: No question about that. I mean, yeah, they were picking uh, first and third, respectively, in the draft for a reason, and that's sure. where I wanted to, to end here with you. And you kind of covered a little bit because the bulk of the offseason is in the books. I mean, most of the major player acquisition is done. Now, you're, you're still going to see undrafted free agents. You're still going to see the Colts make moves and supplement the roster. But now that we're past the draft, Rick, what, what do you make of this roster? I mean, how improved would you say the Colts are now compared to that final game of the season in Jacksonville? And they've been methodical about it, whether it's trades, free agency, the draft, I mean, Matt Ryan came in a, in a trade, Yannick Ngakwe a trade, Stephon Gilmore in free agency, Brandon Faison, some other supplemental moves. But now the draft with impactful guys, especially pass catchers at the top and Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods, how much of a better spot are the Colts in right now? I, I guess put a number on it, 1-10, 10 being the, the best spot they can be in. Where are they now compared to at the end of 21?
1: I think they're an 8, okay? I really think they're mm-hmm. an 8 maybe maybe a 8 plus um and, and and I guess that's just the conservative nature of me I can't right. I couldn't be happier um not because we do the cold games just because I, you know I'm a freak personnel freak coach freak I couldn't be happier at what has happened in this franchise since January uh 9th uh t- you know 2022 I think that this roster was always a solid roster, but it was a solid roster for the most part from the middle to the end. Mm-hmm. That's why our special teams are good. You know, Chris has always done a really good job on that second and third day. Where I thought we were lacking to take the next step was in that top 10 players on the roster that affected the game, that had that were playmakers that can affect the change of the game. And I think in the NFL, as much as the roster is important, the top ten guys make it or break it. Now, to me, the six acquisitions that we've made, quarterback, edge rush, cornerback, top-flight explosive outside receiver, top-flight explosive tight end, Mm -hmm. and potential left tackle, to me – those are top 10 game-changing acquisitions. It's a, you look at a tackle and you don't think of him as a game-changer, but he's a game-changer if he can keep a defensive end at bay. Right. So I believe where the improvement was necessary, and we, as you said earlier, you didn't necessarily see a path to this, but Chris has done a terrific job in putting this together, and I think the we have added six. Impactive, and that and that's not to take away because there's a lot of good people like McLeod, like the rest of those draft picks. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good people, but I think six guys that can be difference maker in the season, and and to me that puts you in contention. Now mm-hmm. that puts you in big time contention. So again, I am, I am, I am, I'm not. I won't say I'm surprised, but I'm really pleasantly surprised that it's gone as well as it has for us. Yeah,
0: pleased in the methodical nature. And
1: no no number one. I mean, and no number one draft pick. So, I mean, you know, we lose sight of that. We talk about we're really excited about our drafts, and we did it without a number one. Sometimes I really believe, of course, Chris has been the master of the twos, but sometimes I think the sweet spot in that draft is always that second round and that high three. I just, you know, because there's just something about – at that point, you don't get as concerned with the image of the pick or the number of the pick. You right. you get the and you and you're there's more guys that are equal in the second round, and you can afford to take a need guy a little bit more there than maybe the first round, mm-hmm. and I think that's always what provides that second round with a lot of good players.
0: All right, RV, wonderful, wonderful breakdown as always. So we've got again the bulk of the off season; it's in the books. Um, when are we going to hear from you again? What are you going to be up to here?
1: Well, the the coach is limited right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm going on the uh, injured reserve list. I, I, I have been fighting a bad knee for months and, you know, after we had so much fun over the weekend, I, it just went out on me. And so um, I am going to, I am going to have a knee replacement on May 26th. Um, so, you know, be a, not, not a lot of motorcycling this summer, a lot of just <laughs> rehab so that when yep. we, you know, we convene there uh, in August, uh, I might be a little limited to start with, but I'll be ready to go.
0: Yeah, you'll be ready to go. Ice, rest, and relaxation. That's uh, doctor's <laughs> orders right there, my man. Well, hey, best of luck. We'll be thinking of you, and if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, if I don't talk to you between now and then, happy Memorial Day coming up at the end of May.
1: You too, Matt. Really, I really enjoyed that weekend. We had a good time together.
0: Absolutely. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. Again, this has been Inside Football, diving in to the 2022 draft. The Colts come home with eight players, impactful guys for next season. And as always, we thank you for listening here on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and anywhere you download your podcasts on the Colts Audio Network. We'll talk to you next time. So long.